Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. There's only a loose connection to the title with the song, um, That Thing You Do. It might be more appropriately titled, The Things That All Mature Christians Ought to Be Busy Doing. That's really the nature of this message. So it's very practical, very solid, sure stuff that we're going to be talking about today. You know, the New Testament gives us a pretty extensive list of things that should be, we should be actively doing. Um, I'm going to focus on 14 of those things Believers should be doing in their walk with Christ, but not all 14 today. Ten of the 14 actually come from the great apostle Paul. And all of these should flow out of being. Flow out of being. The church is often caught in this cycle of doing, as if doing is what we must uh, participate in to please the Lord and, and prove our walk with God. But it ought to flow out of being who you are in Christ Jesus. What you do flows out of who you are. Um, when we come to Christ, we're transformed, right? We become, uh, emphasis on be, we become a new creation. Come on, say amen. amen. Therefore, the life and light of Jesus should come out of us. It should be visible in us. So the doing comes out of being because we are a new creation. We do that thing that we do because Jesus is in us. How many of you will say, though, right out of the box or out of the gate that God's still working some kinks out in your life? Okay, all of y'all put your hands down. Now, the rest of you that were not listening to me, I'm talking to you now. How many of you are still got some kinks God's working out in your life? Lift those hands way up high. Thank you. So as I said, I'm not going to get through all 14 today, Lord willing, over the course of the next, I don't know, couple weeks perhaps. I only have one more weekend that I'm preaching, then we turn it over to Alan Griffin the following weekend, but we'll see where it all goes. I'm going to get through my best to get through seven of them today. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. It's only seven that I'm going to hit you with today. I might even go turn around in a week or two later and go at the things that we're not supposed to do. But let's get busy doing. And I want to state on the outset, this has to be clear to all of you, this was written to the church. 
Every single one that I am going to bring you was written by a man that was impressed by the Holy Spirit to write these things in a letter to a people in the church. So turn to your neighbor right now, say, listen up, he's talking to you. I want you to get busy doing that thing you ought to be doing. Hallelujah. The first thing we're going to look at, he tells us to greet each other. Hallelujah. Here's what the word says, Romans 16, 16. Greet each other with a sacred kiss, the new living says. All the churches of Christ send you their greetings. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. We should not need to be told that we should do this. And I'm going to pause for a moment and give props to all of our Hispanic, all of our Italian, all of our Arabic folks. Do y'all Brazilians do this too, brother? Where did Brother Van Dyke go? I know he was here. See, you, you, you're hiding out, brother. Do y'all greet each other with a holy kiss? Is that, that, you do. Your wife said yes. Is that what you, did you do that? I'm going to give props to all you folks from different places because y'all do this. Y'all do that. That's right. Say amen, y'all Hispanics folks. Well, you do this. I was just at my, uh, my, my son and daughter-in-law. They had a celebration. They're going to be adopting some children or they're first going to foster and we'll see where it goes, but planning to adopt. And so we threw them a party, a celebration, and my daughter-in-law's family is all Italian. And I'm seeing people that I haven't seen in about eight months, ten months. I don't know how long it's been, but they greet me with a kiss. They're Italians. That's what we do. And so I give some props to you. We, we shouldn't be told that we need to do this, but we ought to be doing this. Um, and I'm not trying to promote a cultural change for you because some of you, you're weirding out right now. Like, I don't even know. No, this ain't right. Yeah, because some of you are thinking that way, but you're thinking, you know, you're thinking down the wrong terms to begin with, first of all. Let me pull this next point up. I think it's important enough that you recognize that two-thirds of this entire chapter by Paul are given to greeting people. Yeah. This what the, Chapter 16, that's what it's, two-thirds of it, it's just about Paul sending greetings to different people. Naming, he's naming names and greeting them. It's a real deal, and I think it's important. And, and I, I've shared with you all before how, I don't know, it just disappointed me when I came up from the south. And I know I came up from a different region, a different part of the nation. And when I first came into this area, and I remember it was shocking to me the first time it happened. So much so that I'm like, what is wrong with me? I walked down that sidewalk on Eaton Avenue, and there were, I was walking and praying, but there was somebody walking the other direction towards me, and that person, they never let their eyes meet mine. And we're crossing on the same sidewalk. We're about to brush shoulders, but never let their eyes meet mine. So now listen to me when I say this to you. 
That is rude, it is inconsiderate, and especially in the body of Christ, should not be the case. You owe it to humanity to look your neighbor in the eye and let them see the light of Christ in you. Seriously, this is no small matter to me. I took that and I walked away and I went, what is matter with people that they can be that unfriendly? And I know it's a part of this nature, or this culture, excuse me, in this part of the, the, uh, the United States, it can be pervasive, but y'all change it, would you? Amen. Change it. You got enough of you from other cultures and stuff, just be friendly. I know there's been abuses. I know people are mean, but you don't have to be one of them. And just because you're walking beside somebody and, and listen to me, young people, you're the worst. Because you got your face buried in this thing. And it ain't right. It ain't right. You don't even know other people are around you. And, and so just be kind, be friendly, be cognizant that there's a world around you and, and show some love, show some care. You don't have to get all crazy. I'm not telling you to give a holy kiss to somebody you don't know, but at least look them in the eye. How you doing? So work on this one. Just greet each other. I know you're wondering, right? Did somebody just greet you, Nate, or what? It was just having, it was a, it was a kiss. Wow, man, you are awesome. Brothers in love with Jesus, just showing love to one another. Hallelujah. What makes this kiss sacred or holy? What do you think makes this kiss sacred? That's what the word says. I didn't put that in there. Whether it says sacred or holy, whatever version you got, what makes it that is who is giving the kiss? Who is receiving the kiss? Look at your neighbor right now and say, I'm a child of God. I'm part of a holy priesthood. I'm a new creation. That's what makes it holy when you give a brother or sister a kiss. Seriously. It's about the others and it's about Jesus in you. It's not about that it's sacred. Listen, how many of you have been sanctified? How many of you don't even know what that word, mer- no, don't put the word, don't put your hand up. But <laughs> Sanctified just means to be set apart. And when something's sanctified, it's set apart. And to be sanctified is set apart unto the Lord. Say, I'm the Lord's. So I'm sanctified. That makes you holy. And so when you give a kiss to greet somebody in the Lord, it's a sacred act. Because of whose you are and who's in you. So don't miss this point. Get busy doing this. And finally, a note from the New Spirit-Filled Life Bible says, greeting with a holy kiss was an affectionate act 
fostered by the Spirit of Christ and not by the culture. See, we get it all messed up. We let the culture lead us. This was fostered from its beginnings by the Spirit of Christ. And it was given with the kind of appropriate affection that ought to be given to others who are human. How many of you are human that are here this morning? (laughs) Now listen, the word for us today regarding this is to slow down enough to make it meaningful and deliberate. Listen to me when I say that. We're in way too big a hurry. Just way too big. Because that's many times that's what it's rooted in. That's why you don't greet people. That's why you don't look them in the eye. Because you ain't got time for it. You need to make time for it. You're too busy if you can't look another human in the eye and just be cordial. Too busy. Too busy. And I know what it is to be busy. Listen, I pastor a church that's busy. That don't mean we have any excuse not to be cordial, kind, look human beings in the eye and show them a little bit of the love of God. They're only going to see it if you slow down long enough for them to look you in the eye. All right, so the first thing is to greet each other. Second thing, be patient with each other. Candy Hemphill used to sing, He's still working on me. Make me what I ought to be. (laughs) Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. That's an old song. Her father, Joel Hemphill, wrote it. See, now I I just schooled you. Be patient with each other. Ephesians 4.2 says always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. How many of you have a fault or two in here? So y'all be patient with us, okay? Because he's still working on us. Remember, this is directed at the church. This is a problem, though, for the whole of society. We're not a patient society, are we? I think America has is, is got to get about top honors on this. We're just not patient, are we? I, I know it. I know it's true. Listen, I, just, I spent 18 hours in a car last week, just, just Friday and Saturday, 18 hours between the two days. It's hard to have patience. And everybody else is a jerk. <laughs> My brother would call them idiots. You need to have a spiritual life in the car too. Be patient with each other, especially in the church. Listen, in view of John 13, 35, this should be a visible sign that we are believers. Look at what John 13, 35 says. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. How do we prove to the world that you are his disciple? That means you got to love each other. 
even those people that still need a lot of work. Come on, say, help me, Jesus. I got to love Mario. Help me, Jesus. I do love Mario. That's why I can say that. But, you know, look, the plain truth is, I want you to understand something. People don't think like you think. And this is the root of the problem. So you've got to have patience with people because they're not in your head. They don't know what you, that you may have some, you may be saying the right thing and have a different tone than what they're used to. They come from a different culture or background. I was laughing with somebody just last week when I was talking to him. He was from England. He was the former pastor of this church that I served under. And the phrase, what they used to call or did call a pacifier was a dummy. Literally, that's what they called a pacifier, right? You still with me? He's pastoring a church. He's preaching from the pulpit. When a baby begins to cry, the first year he was in the United States pastoring. The baby begins to cry. Here's what came out of his mouth. Bop the dummy in the mouth and be done with it. You're with me now, right? So people ain't in your head. They don't know what you mean. You got to be patient with one another. Slow down a little bit. Talk to one another. Treat each other like humans that are flawed. I can use phraseology and stuff that you don't have a clue on because I was born and raised in the South. And I try to avoid that, but sometimes you can't, you know, Every now and then, I'm going to say fixing to go somewhere. <laughs> or ask you in an hour or two, jeet. <laughs> see? See, take you a little bit. You'll get there. Jeet yet? <laughs> Did you eat yet? See now, that brother from Texas, he got it on the first time. So, so I'm saying to you, be patient with one another. Because this is important to be able to understand and deal with one another. We don't think alike. And so show each other patience. And this is the, this is the phraseology I use. We need people grace. That's learning how to deal with one another with, with a grace that you want, be generous with others. Same grace that you want, be generous with others. And I know people can be, you know, they can get on your nerves. I've deliberately not gone out and gone down the halls today because, you know, we just had the carpets cleaned last week. And I know somebody's been walking down there with a soda today, and I'm going to go. Don't you mess up 
if there's a mark on these carpets, I'm going to need the grace of God to cover you. The scripture says, make allowance for each other's faults. Again, this is a different passage, but from Colossians 3.13. Make allowance for each other's faults. Let's move on to the third one. Accept each other. Romans 15.7 puts it this way. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Now, I, what matters on this is where you know this letter was written to. All right? Remember, I'm telling you, I told you from the start, this is to the church. This is to the church in Rome. Now think about this for a moment. A Jew of Jews is writing a letter to the church now established in Rome, a Christian church established in Rome. Rome was the seat of power. They were in charge. And they would have people at this church and this gathering that would be a whole lot like this church. There would be 20, 30 different cultures and backgrounds represented by them. People come from all over. You'd have real Jews that were just straight-up Jews. You'd have some Samaritans or half-Jews, if you will. You'd have people that were Roman and now Christian that used to serve multiple gods. You'd even have some of those that loved and served God but were still a little bit messed up with other gods that still had hanging around in their lives. And to that group, Paul's writing, and he says, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. So all different kind of cultural backgrounds and in a city that was at the seat of power. And this was primarily based on God's acceptance of you. How does God accept you with your faults? It's, a, it's an act of grace, isn't it? That he accepts you and me the way we are, with our mess and our background. Some of you folks, some of you folks were way more messed up than I was. I mean, I got saved, I was a kid. Some of you come out of some mess. Really, seriously, how many of you, I want you to stand up and testify to the Lord if he brought you out of drugs, alcohol, immorality. Stand up, stand up right now to your feet. Give testimony to the Lord. Hallelujah. Look what he does. Hallelujah. Blesses me, blesses my heart to know that God can forgive us and overlook those faults. He covered them by the blood of Jesus, his only son. And who in the world do you think you are not to accept somebody with their mess? And I'm talking about all kinds of mess. All kinds of mess. I, I say it this way, church should be a no-judgment zone. Like Planet Fitness. It really is a no-judgment zone because some of the people come in there looking like, oh, hallelujah, I'm glad you're here. 
Church ought to be the same way. I'm, I'm having you laugh because I want it to be funny because this is a serious, but it is a serious issue. It ought to be that we can come to church and have the work of Holy Spirit in us and not have a mess and have you looking down your nose at us because we got mess and we're not perfect. When I say that church ought to be a no judgment zone, we have to judge when somebody brings a word or give something forth that's supposedly from the Holy Spirit. We have to judge that. So don't misuse this. Don't turn this over on me and say, why are you judging me, Pastor, on what I said was from the Lord? Well, if it's from the Lord, then it has to be judged. I bear a responsibility to do that. Amen. This is something different. This is about accepting people where they are while the Holy Ghost works on them. He's still working on me. See it? That's why we sang it. Let's move on because this is connected. Forgive each other. We're talking about that thing you ought to be doing, right? Forgive each other. Colossians 3.13, I stated part of it a moment ago. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Let me repeat that phrase. Do you know what it says? Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You must forgive others. Forgive anyone who offends you. He doesn't leave anything open for your discretion. He doesn't say if you feel like it. Doesn't say on the good days you can forgive somebody. You know, when it feels right in your spirit. You know, no. He says, forgive anyone who offends you. This includes large and small offenses. And I have to speak to both issues because some, you'll, you'll struggle with large offenses. I, I understand it. Rape, abuse of that nature. Yeah, that's a big one. People that get you fired. That's a big one. But he doesn't give you any out, does he? Forgive anyone who offends you. He's talking to the church. Some of you, you'll work at get the big things, but you'll hold little offenses. You'll hang on to little offenses. That brother's a good brother, but he stole a parking lot I, I spot I had. I was coming in. He knew I was coming in. And he took it. You'll remember that for years. When he's not looking, back your car into it. It's just a little, just a little thing. Forgive me, Jesus. Can I say this? At this point, it's appropriate. Don't allow the hypersensitivity to creep into the church that's pervasive in the United States right now. I'll state it clearly. Hypersensitivity. People can't even talk to one another. They'll shut you down by throwing out words at you. Can't have a conversation. You're racist. You're homophobic. You're... Whatever, they'll throw out words just to, just to shut you down. Can't even have a conversation. 
And so don't allow that kind of hypersensitivity to shut you up in the church. Don't be that hypersensitive person. If you're grounded well in Jesus, you'll be all right. Because you know who you are, right? You know who you are. You know that Jesus has got your back. You realize this is a biblical command with a promise to forgive one another? It's a biblical command. That's the first thing I want to latch onto. It's a command. Forgive anyone who offends you. Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. Jesus said that. It's a command, however, with a promise. I love this, and Jesus states this as well from Luke 6, 37. Do not judge others and you'll not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Look at what he launches right into. You thought this was all about finances. You thought it was all about money. No, look at what this verse is connected to. Forgive others and you'll be forgiven. Give forgiveness and you will receive forgiveness. Your gift of forgiveness will return to you in full pressed down, shaken together to make room for more forgiveness because you know you're going to need it. Running over and poured into your lap, the amount you give forgiveness will determine the amount you get back in forgiveness. Condemnation, judgment, all of those words you can fit in that same passage. I don't condemn people, I'm not going to be condemned. It'll flow in my life. The gen more generous I am with grace on people, come on, you need to be generous with people grace. Generous with people grace. By the way, we're not throwing this out as if to say it doesn't include money. This is a biblical principle that's pervasive from the front to the back of the Bible. It is. Sowing seed, that's front to back. The more generous you are in sowing of your seed, the more generous you will receive from the bounty of heaven. It's a biblical fact. So it's connected to money, but it's connected to everything else too. You want kindness? Show kindness. Want a lot of kindness? Be a lot kind. It comes first from God, but it includes man. All right, so we got to forgive each other. The fifth thing, admonish each other. How many of you have used the word admonish in the last year, apart from reading the Bible? You were in the first service. That's why you used the word admonish. Here's what the Word says. Colossians 3.16 Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. 
<laughs> this, this is a study in one verse. This, this deserves a full-on study. I give one, any of you permission to just, just seek it out, study it, look at all of its nuances. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. So let the Word of God, the message that He gives, dwell, that is, reside with you as. So the message is residing with you, dwelling with you, as you teach and admonish each other with all wisdom. What a wisdom through the psalms, the hymns, and songs from the Spirit. This is to call attention to them or to a mild rebuke, even a warning. The word admonish is to call attention to. If you see your brother about to fall, stumble in a hole, what kind of brother are you if you don't help him? I used this illustration in the early service, and I was at a pastor's gathering a few years back. During the lunchtime for that pastor's gathering, we had cake with frosting. I had a piece. About 10, 10 minutes into the service that followed that lunch, a brother came over to me and he said, Cole, you got some frosting on your chin. I thanked the brother, and then I wanted to hit about 15 other brothers. They let me walk around for 15 minutes with frosting on my chin and didn't tell me I looked like a fool. I was a drooling. That's what the word admonish means though. See, the brother that actually told me was showing me love. He was caring for me on a human level but it was spiritual based because he loved me enough to say, hey, dude, you might want to wipe your chin. That's why, you know, you ought not to be offended if somebody offers you a mint. I know, you're nervous now because it hurts because you've been offered a mint before and you're like, wait a minute. But that's, that's the heart of this, but from a spiritual perspective, you're trying to admonish someone, that is to build them up or help them. You're not trying to beat them down. You're actually trying to improve their circumstances. So admonish one another. And the, uh, the storehouse from which this wisdom comes 
is riches of the message of Christ. So in other words, when you're admonishing someone, and look at the method. Isn't that cool? The unique method that Paul is suggesting that we use to teach and admonish one another? Psalms, hymns, spiritual psalms. You thought we just do this in church because we enjoy singing. Now this ain't kumbaya. We're not just on a camp out trying to move, fill up space and time with something to do because you can't see and your electronic games don't work there and your parents have told them, put them away. No, this is more of a, you actually encourage or strengthen your brothers and sisters in Christ through these psalms, through these songs. Because they're word-based and that builds our lives. So it's a unique method that Paul uses to teach and admonish one another. And this, by the way, will not happen in an environment of oversensitivity. I can't tell you, here, enjoy this mint. You're overly sensitive like, oh, is my breath bad? Whether it is or not, enjoy a mint. <laughs> Live free. Just enjoy a mint. How about some gum? Oh, no. Must be really bad. <laughs> Come on, folks. Help a brother or sister out. This is about being a blessing to one another, building up or strengthening one another. It's not an opportunity to just tear somebody down. It's an opportunity to show them the love of Jesus. Let's move on to the sixth one now. Be kind and compassionate to each other. Be kind and compassionate to each other. I've linked two of them together, thus breaking down what would have been 14 or 15 to now 14. Ephesians 4.32 puts it this way. Instead, be kind to each other. Tenderhearted, the New Living says. Forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So he's, do you see what he's linked together? Kindness and uh, being tender-hearted or compassionate, whatever version you may have. He, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, they're all linked together, aren't they? You'll do it all if you're walking in Christ Jesus. So under the banner of love, kindness and compassion must be exhibited. By the way, these are true biblical signs of conversion. So yes, that brother or sister who doesn't seem to know how to be kind or show compassion, you may question their conversion. But under your breath. Maybe you want to admonish them. There are other ways to accomplish the same thing, brother. You don't have to be mean. You can be kind. You can show compassion. You can actually extend grace rather than just be mean, rude, or inconsiderate. Remember, Paul is writing to a good church. Ephesians 4, 
Ephesus was a church he started. You remember that? Paul started this church. He served nearly three years at this church or at least three years at this church. And guess who he left in charge as the pastor? He sent a letter to him later, Timothy. So I'm telling you, this is a good church. And yet Paul's having to say to them, instead, you want to know what's in front of instead, don't you? Instead of being mean, instead of being inconsiderate, instead of doing things that are wrong and evil, having evil in your heart, instead of all of that, be kind to each other. Instead of trying to beat a brother or sister down, be tenderhearted. Instead of showing jealousy and trying to act like the rest of the world, hallelujah, be forgiving. People grace. It's a good church, and yet Paul tells them they need to change some things, operate differently. So what am I doing today? I'm sending out a gentle but clear admonition to be kind to each other. Be kind. Show some compassion. Patience works really well in this category or territory. By the way, compassion is love-based. You can't be compassionate without love. So let's be kind. Let's be compassionate. Compassion, it's like real care. Like you really do care that somebody's struggling. I mean, seriously, it matters to you. You ever get thanked by somebody and you knew they meant it? We prayed for Brother Cornelius last Sunday. He did have his operation on uh, Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday. No, he had it on Monday. And it was, they were away. It was in Philadelphia. So I didn't go over there for the operation, but I called them afterwards. Actually spoke to him. But to hear him and his wife, for that matter, say, Pastor, we really thank you for your care. Then I did go over and see him the next day. They released him. And uh, it matters. Be compassionate. Show love. Go a long ways. Let me give you the seventh one today. I know it's Labor Day weekend. You're ready to party. So encourage somebody when you're partying tomorrow. That's what Paul tells us to do amongst the body of Christ. Many of you will be celebrating with other members of the body of Christ. First Thessalonians, again, he's writing to a pastor in a church. He's, he's writing to him, so encourage each other with these words. Encourage each other's, other with these words. Do what is in your power to lift other believers up. Come on, say, I can do it. That's right. Do what's in your power to lift others up. The church is real good at beating each other up. Even across denominational lines and differences, we'll beat each other up. We're not so good at lifting one another up, encouraging one another. 
But come on, let's be marked as a different kind of church and a different kind of people. Do what's in your power. We should do this daily, by the way, according to Hebrews 3.13. He writes this way, but encourage one another daily. Oh, my goodness. Even when I don't feel good, I got to encourage somebody else? Yep. The same measure with you give generously with encouragement, you'll get it back. You become an encourager, you'll receive encouragement. And you know what this does for us when we encourage one another daily? It prepares us for battle. You know this is true because when you walk out of these doors, something's going to come at you. Something. You'll have a situation. You may have to get, you may be getting together with people tomorrow that you don't really like. But their family, you have to get together. If Uncle Joe tells that same story for the 40th time, I'm just going to die. I'm so tired of that story. I could tell it for him. Preparation for battle. You're going to face stuff today, tomorrow, the next, next week, next month. Encourage each other daily. It ought to be such that we're communicating frequently in the body of Christ, lifting one another up, admonishing one another, encouraging one another. So let me close this thing out today. Become a builder. You're on a construction site right now. You're part of the construction site. Become a builder. Be or become a believer that builds others up. Be that person. Literally, be that person that builds others up. Oh, we sang it a moment ago. He's still working on me. Do you, you, as, as he's working on you, you encourage and strengthen others. You know the best place to do that? This is the manual for how to best strengthen and encourage others. Do it with the word of God. By the way, don't beat them up with it. Leave out a few more thou shalt nots and bring in a thou shalt now and then. Because the thou shalt's, all seven of them, I just gave you this morning, or this afternoon now. I just gave you seven of 14. Preparation for battle. And guess what? In order to build others up, you got to be strong. All right, everybody lift their arms up. Do this for me. Just do one of those for me. Come on. Come on. Curl in the hands. Let's see a bicep. Come on, you got a bicep. It's in there. I believe you. In the name of Jesus. Going to Planet Fitness tomorrow, Pastor. No. There you go. There, good doing inside. There you go, Albert. Anybody going to do a Hulk for me? Cool. You've got to be strong. Listen, Jude 20 says it this way. 
but you, dear friends, must build each other up. Do you see it? It's right there in the Word. This coming from Jude now. Must. You see it? You must. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, you need to build me up. Tell him, I'm a construction site. I'm a project. Must build each other up in your most holy faith. How do you do that? Look at this. I love this. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And awake the mercy. Come on, stand to your feet. We need to read this together. This is too good for me to just read it to you. Stand up to your feet. Read this right with me. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. Do you see what's happening in that word? When you build the other one up, in this way you will keep yourself safe in God's love. Give and it shall be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together and running over be a builder be a builder get strong so you can build others up hallelujah I want you to I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.